Omies, it's the 8th of November, almost Christmas time. I'm here, Mark 11, to host this interview of the week. And with me, as ever, is my co-host, Dropkick Darren. How are you going, Dropkick Darren? I'm good. We have uh, Policy Gigabrain Shadow with us today. Um, you know, the backbone of, of Olympus Dow. How are you going, Shadow? Thanks, guys. I'm very glad to be here. Doing good today. Oh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you. There's, I, there's so many questions that we kind of want to, um, you know, start with. Does anything kind of jump jump out jump out at you, Mark? Uh, yeah. Well, I just I don't know. <laughs> I know Shadow is this shadowy figure who hangs out in the policy channel of the main Discord, sort of. Uh, dealing with like the endless questions of all the kind of smart and dumb omies alike um, that come along and want to know about the protocol and kind of the policy team and the bond control variables and all that business. But before we kind of get into that stuff, I'd really like to know Shadow's background. So kind of uh, what you were doing, like what's your sort of career and then what when you got into crypto and then we'll lead up to kind of how you discovered Olympus DAO and go from there. Uh, so for some reason, like I really like talking about how I started in Olympus. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It always like brings joy to me to talk about how it all started. As for my uh, other background, like my background is mainly in finance and economics. Uh, I stumbled into crypto like uh, the same time as many people, I think, in the tw uh, 2017 bull run. Got like Rep pretty represent. wrecked. <laughs> got yeah. pretty wrecked when the beer market came, but not uh, like you know it wasn't a substantial amount. It was just a, a big lesson. Uh, also, like uh, along with that came some like negative opinion of crypto. I think a lot of people like felt that at the time when that bear market started, and like uh, mm -hmm. I am uh, very glad that after that when DeFi summer started like that uh i really had to somehow fight my uh you know fight myself to get into it you know uh full force mm -hmm. again to really not have that like perception that oh this is a scam this will it will just be all uh, the 2017 bull run all over again and i think that's something very important in crypto to like be able to like open your mind and not uh not be burdened you know with what happened in the past and think of every situation as a new thing like i think that's very valuable it's really hard to like distinguish the two and not like not constantly be negative about some things yeah not carry your trauma with you kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah well yeah. it's like there was so much that happened that we felt the need to rename the spaces DeFi to kind of get rid of that negative connotation um but yeah i do agree there's like definitely a big kind of negative connotation with like the word crypto in general that's interesting how did you um, get get back into sort of crypto, into DeFi? What was it that sort of pushed you over the edge? What was the sort of, uh, you know, token or project that was kind of like, oh, I've really got to get back in now? Uh, I, I can't remember a project in particular, but like it was mainly just Twitter, to be honest. Like when you, basically fear of missing out. Like, as silly as it sounds, like, basically, it's just fear of missing out and, like, taking the plunge and saying, like, you know, I want to be, I want to be in the next bull run. Like, because in 2017, it was, it was fairly already too late, right? To, like, be the one that, that came out on top in that bull run. Yeah. But, like, basically, I, I just got the feeling, like, I want to commit to this, see this through, and, like, if it goes good, like, great. If not, like, who cares? It will be a scam, and then I'll move on with my life. And yeah, so far it's paid off. So, uh, what projects did you get involved in, or were you kind of just sort of putting a bit of money in, seeing what's happened? Did you join a community or anything? Like no, that? no, no. Olympus is like the first project where I actually uh, joined the community. Like wow. before that, it That's was cool. all it was all like on the surface. Olympus is the first, I mean, I joined the community, you know, channels, but Olympus is the first project well, where I somehow felt the need to like contribute, you know, and do something. That's interesting. So what was that 
what kind of sparked that desire to actually like jump into the community and and like be like, well, I have these kind of skills, like, and like this system seems like I'd be like best suited to do this. Try, try and kind of like talk us through what that was like. Um, maybe like when you realized um, what you could kind of help out with. Well, like for people who are new to Olympus or not even new at this point, like when Olympus first started, it was just the main Discord. And it was like, a fit. I mean, it was still high for crypto, but it was uh, a small number of people. You know, there was not that many people, especially active in the Discord. And so like, it was really a tight knit community and everybody was cool. It wasn't so fast, you know, it was much slower than today. Like you could have like long conversations at the chat, like it, you know, you actually knew all the people who were there and stuff. So like, it was really a, a close knit community. And basically, uh, my first contribution was the Google Sheet calculator for staking. There was no resources at that point. Like no, right now you have like 50 calculators doing dashboards and stuff. Back then there was nothing of the sort. So like I just made a simple cal uh, calculator that would show how much home you'd have uh, if you just staked and the APY was constant or you could change the APY or stuff. And like you could just play around with that and see the power of compounding because that was, believe it or not, even at that point, but it, it was basically just answering the difference between APR and APY. And yeah, that I used to do that all the time. That was also one of my main contributions, just answering that question whole day. Yeah. And uh, then, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask sort of, sort of jumping jumping back before that just so we have the timeline so you like how you discovered it like was it that someone tweeted about it and then you just uh -huh. joined the yeah, discord yeah, yeah. or uh it was fisk Fiskantis. it's always fisk <laughs> yeah i'm not uh, uh i didn't participate in the pre-sale unfortunately uh i saw fisk's post when uh when there was only uh when there was only a olympus article on medium and i don't think there was a discord then, then i'm not sure and basically the article was laying out olympus in a very complicated way probably because it was written by zeus and he tends to explain stuff like that and uh, i read through it of course didn't understand it on the first read and at the end or something like that uh, there was like a sent I, I can't really remember but there was somewhere a sentence that team is uh, anon and i was like ah yeah no way i'm not investing in this like this uh, like this won't go well and then uh, i was lucky to actually see i don't know uh, it was like there was already traction on twitter i think there was a post from dcf god as well where he said like uh, the omis are still holding like uh, pre-sale participants are up 50k and, and they're not selling i think that's where i saw and i joined somewhere around the crash uh, on the first crash in price that's when i joined good time to get in <laughs> yeah very lucky very lucky because i probably wouldn't be you know i wouldn't have been patient and waited for it to actually crash i would just ape in yeah. So like i was lucky that the moment i saw it the second time it already crashed so i just could take the plunge <laughs> very good yeah maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the sort of being around the community in the early days no it was fun it was fun like uh, i mean it, it was the same as now just like scales down by a large factor like there were back then there were also people who were new who didn't understand anything they were there were veterans and stuff. So like it was basically now, but like really scaled down. Like the other thing is uh, there were a lot of questions about Dune and nobody basically answered them. Uh, nobody answered like they can create a Dune dash. I didn't know CQL. I don't know if people know that. Like I, I, I didn't know CQL at the time. And there were so many questions about Dune and I was like, I'm going to try and make this and see what happens. And for like two weeks, I, I tried to make the most basic queries. I, I, I'm sure that like somebody who, 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 who is an expert in CQL, you know, does it as, as their day job. He can now find like uh, really stupid things in my queries that I didn't change, you know, as I learned because I constantly build upon the old queries. So I'm sure that 
a lot of old stuff still is uh, doesn't make sense to experienced people, but it all works. And yeah, so I just spent like a lot of time learning SQL and making the first iteration of the Doom Dash. And from then to today, I uh, spent time building upon it. Wow, that's 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 actually awesome. It's like everyone that we have kind of interviewed, like that was really early in the community, is is like just truly self-made. You know, like they just found something where they're like, "Well, I'm good at this," and you know what, I'm just going to dive into this and like learn and see if I can like, uh, you know, contribute to the community. Um, so that's that's actually awesome. So yeah, the thing is, like you, even now, I say that like it. It's not, you know, it's not okay right now. Like we have a DAO, we have contributors, we have processes in the place. And of course, people that contribute to the DAO are all uh, paid, right? So, but like there is something uh, in the people who want to do it like proactively and who want to do it for fun, you know, who just want to do it in order to make something. There is something like uh, those people make very good contributors and people in the DAO like, and that's, that's like a common trait that uh, I, I it, it's hard to see today when we pay for everything you know when we, we when we pay all the contributors it's hard to see who actually wants to you know stand out and do stuff for free mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely a something that's harder to recognize now that we have uh, that you know that kind of budget per week uh, in the DAO. so i mean going off the back of the you know now that you're kind of a SQL master, some would say, what's your kind of like first kind of query that you go to, um, you know, when you wake up, you, you have your coffee, maybe your tea, if you're not a coffee drinker, what's your kind of go-to like metrics when you're like starting your day off? Uh, well, I'll, I'll have to disappoint people. The first thing I do when I wake up is not look at uh, Dune, but uh, during the day, I definitely, the, like the most commonly viewed query uh, is revenue. Like that's what they watch. Revenue and the breakdown per bond. Like that's definitely something I watch every day. How much revenue each bond brings or rather like what's their capacity? Do we need to tweak those capacities? The liquidity to market cap ratio, like that's also something we've been keeping an eye on and that ratio has uh, came back to normal. It, 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 it caught on to the price. So uh, to the market cap. So yeah. Like those two queries are like really important for policy. And yeah, yeah, those, those are the main ones that we monitor day to day because they involve uh, BCV changes, which we do fairly often. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, the sort of how the DAO forms. So uh, you just made this June dashboard. How did do, how did the DAO were you like first one, one of the first ones in the DAO server or was the DAO still on the main Discord kind of people working away in there? Do you, can you tell us a little bit about how that all started? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, it was just made uh, by Zeus and the gang, Wartel, Apollo and, and Banksy. It was just made by them, a separate server. And uh, uh, I can, uh, like uh, I know they comped contributors such as me, they they contacted us and sent us home from their wallets, you know, before the DAO formed, although we didn't expect it at all. But once the DAO formed, like, uh, they just told people to go over there. We had the departments laid out. Like, I think uh, it's pretty much the same departments we have today, minus, like, some uh, we now distinguish be- between backend or something on design, but it's pretty much the same department. And yeah, it, it was much slower back then. There were no processes really in place, and there were no uh, there were no strategos. Like there was not that coordination, that level of coordination. But uh, I think the DAO, as we know it today, formed somewhere in June. That's when they we did the rework and stuff, and when we laid out like all the plans, because like the introduction of strategos is, I think, really what made it all much more efficient. Because we have like weekly stratego meetings where we can you know coordinate the activities across the DAO. We have insight into what we're doing, and so it's much easier to like get the high level picture that way and see how we can support the other departments together. 
Yeah, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the Strategos. Was it sort of people in the DAO coming together and deciding that was sort of the best structure to have these sort of community contributors come in and take on a bit more of a like, um, not full time, but like a, a fuller role in the DAO and taking on that sort of coordination uh, yeah, Facilitator role, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm. Sh- I think it's like that for all the departments, at least from the discussions I saw. But I know, like that in policy, I think it's in, in all. I think I can speak in general. It's basically the contributors elected all the strategos. It was one hundred percent an, you know, an organic process. Like the contributors in each department elected their strategos, and it mm. was like, yeah, there was nobody forced people or nobody put us there or stuff like that. Like it mm. was one hundred percent a community decision. Very That's cool. awesome. And and so the I guess the Stratego is essentially these like facilitators, right? If I was a new omin had hadn't heard what a Stratego is, it's just someone who, you know, actively kind of manages over that um, you know, department or or kind of at least tries to facilitate work being done, right? Yeah, I mean we're we're accountable for it. That's the main thing. Like we're there and we're accountable for mm-hmm. it and like you know, you can count that we will like do the work if nobody does it. That we will coordinate the other contributors and stuff like that. I, I mean, it's it's important. Like you can't you can't have a function without, without something like that. And mm, accountability ha- is definitely important. Yeah. Have how have you how have you found it, Shadow? Is it like a big drain on your life? Um, are you sort of pull, pulled back from other sort of commitments you had to take it on? Um, does it does it keep you up at night worrying about sort of how the policy team's going and stuff like that? Uh, it's it's non traditional, that's for sure. Like uh, it's a whole day commitment, you know. It's 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 not just for strategos. I'm sure it's like that for other contributors as well. But like you know, the the DAO never sleeps. So like you know, if you if you don't if you're not in the chat, you miss out on stuff. Then you wake up, then you have to read the chat all over. And so like it, it's definitely different than like you know a real life job, in the sense that you have to be way more active and proactive. But I mean, I love it, honestly. Like it's a it's a it's a, a noble way to work. Yeah, it's very good. Mm. Do you um? What do you tell your friends and family um, that you do, that you work on the new world reserve, uh, reserve no, currency? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't bother explaining stuff. Yeah, it's hard exp- explaining stuff to people that are not in it. For sure. I mean, a startup is, is always a good way to put it or something like oh, yeah, yeah, that. a project. Like it's a project and like, yeah, you don't have to go into details. <laughs> Humble as ever. Um, I mean, like, what do you, what, what kind of things do you find like novel uh, about it? Do you, do you kind of fi- find it really interesting how, like, you, you said earlier how that, like, initial thought, you're like, the teams are non, oh, it must be a scam. Did you, like, what kind of changed your mind, um, like, like about that? And what made you kind of be like, well, it's actually not, um, you know, a scary thing to, to go and on. If anything, it might remove some kind of barriers when working with people. Well, um, uh- in terms of okay, so yeah, there's there's a couple of questions. So like in terms of what made me change my mind, it's just seeing like you know seeing Zeus back then like he was constantly in the main Discord, like you know in off topic in general in questions doing calls like. So like when you hear him talk all the time, when you see him type all the time, like you know, and, and when you r- read and hear the things he says. Like you realize that you know he's here for good, and he like want he like wants to make this happen. So like the, that answers why I shifted my mindset and why I realized this was legit. Uh, while we're on that, uh, the thing that made me most bullish about Olympus is actually not the mechanism design, the underlying design. It's the DAO. Like when you actually see the amount of work being done. And, and the level of work, like when you see the level of cooperation inside the DAO, the number of contributors, the, the fact that these contributors like are constantly here, they, they've been here, like a lot of contributors have been here since the launch of the DAO in June. So like w- w- when you see that, like you really 
can't uh, can't not be bullish on Olympus. Like re- it's really incredible to mm. see. Yeah, we had a last week. We interviewed each other because uh, <laughs> we lost track of time and we had to get a last minute guest. Um, no, it was it was it was episode, it was episode 33. thirty three. Also, about? that's the whole reason. Um, but yeah, we. <laughs> I was like. Um, DKD asked me about it and I was like thinking about like why, why I'm worried about Olympus. And then, um, Asfi asked us if we'd stick around if there was like a treasury hack. And I, Mm. in the end, we like kind of both agreed that actually the most valuable part is the people and the systems in the DAO. And like, that's the treasury is just kind of gravy on that. You know, it's just, uh, something that can be sort of levered and used for, um, sort of uh, backing the own but then also like it's very handy to have the the treasury there and sort of um the own built up in the dow to have its value that you can actually now go and build these really kind of big grand projects do treasury swaps and uh, all the other stuff um maybe you can um tell us we can uh, jump forward to uh, Olympus Pro, <laughs> you've obviously had a big hand in that. Maybe you can tell us about how it got started. Uh, Olympus Pro is like, uh, 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 I'm sure that like somebody who has, uh, who even has startup experience, you know, in fast moving companies, like they would be surprised how fast this all came from idea to realization. So like it started from a, uh, uh, DM chat. You know, with, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know what's the max for Discord, but uh, it started off as a DM chat. We had a few calls in DMs, and then we basically reached the max amount of people in DMs you can have on Discord. And we realized, like, we need to make this a channel in the DAO and give permissions and, like, work on it. And so we, like, started onboarding engineers, starting, uh, started, like, slowly pitching it to partners seeing the reaction and like basically you just know when you stumble upon something great you know uh, the idea was you could do you can do the same thing as olympus and all you need to do is like just have a meeting with us decide everything give us that uh 3.3 percent in most cases fee and like we'll do all the other work for you and like so far i've seen so far, it's been like a major success for all partners. Yeah, the o- Olympus Pro effect. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's been yeah. pretty wild. Yeah, I don't like to talk about price, but yeah, it it happened for sure for a few partners. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we've also got our own Coin Gecko section, right? Yeah, like yeah. Olymp- Olympus Olympus Pro coins, because because it, it's interesting, right? Because we're at like fifteen. Uh, around 15 kind of protocols that have launched um, with OP. How do you kind of see um, it kind of scaling beyond 15 going into like, let's say 100, like optimistically speaking? I mean, we have a lot of demand for, for it, right? But let's say, you know, we're getting into triple digit, maybe maybe even beyond that. But how do you kind of envision the policy team, you know, managing um, all these different protocols like moving forward do you kind of envision like this kind of quasi automated strategy or, or do you think you know as uh, olympus develops and as we move to v2 do you think that it will kind of change everything or or do you think um, like kind of give me your overview of how you view policy to kind of manage that moving forward yeah so uh i think like for now my idea like uh, i also i also lead the data and metrics team in the DAO. And so my my focus right now in that team is to uh, focus on building good tools for for Olympus Pro. I realize that uh, it, uh, it I've been doing it in Dune for now, but I realize like that we have to make this uh, more scalable. So I'm really working with that team to build the proper tooling, both for the policy team to like you know have this better high level overview and you know if possible get alerts on partners bond i don't think we can make it automated in the contract itself but we can build the tooling to make it uh, much easier for us and that's how i think we'll scale and i also want to build other solutions for partners and for for the general public to see how olympus pro is performing 
uh, other than Dune, because I think uh, Olympus Pro has so many nuances that like we've outgrown uh, Dune for Olympus Pro. Mm, that makes sense. So like basically increasing all these different like different metrics for people to um, view and obviously increases transparency as well. Maybe Shadow, you can take us to a policy meeting um, and kind of uh, maybe you can tell us about how it was at the start and then kind of how how a policy meeting would happen today and what gets discussed and how it's run. That'd be really interesting. If you have three hours of your time, I can take you to a policy meeting. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Just, uh, let me just think back on the brief. I mean, I don't think the length of policy meetings changed since the start. Right now, we also have stand-ups. That's what we introduced because the regular meetings are so long. We need to do like stand-ups as well, three times a week, just to have, you know, shorter meetings where we can talk about the more urgent stuff. Uh, like policy, <laughs> policy meetings are something else. I've been on a lot of meetings in other departments as well every day. But like policy meetings are really something else. There's so much brainstorming going on in the meetings. Like there's so many ideas that, you know, that never see the light because either they, either we deem them like not possible to execute or we think of something better. But like it's so much information uh, in every meeting like that, that it's really overwhelming. When we, uh, when we introduced Stratigos, uh, that, that's when we introduced the formal structure for the meeting. And for policy, we, um, right away, we introduced votes. So like no, no decision in policy is made without an internal vote. So you have to have like a majority and usually votes, votes last for 24 hours. We also introduced time sensitive votes and, uh, the participants in policy have to write out a detailed explanation of why they voted like they did. And like policy is really, uh, policy also has an application process. You need to fill out a quiz and you need to like have a history in the DAO or a history of contributions before we let you in. Because like policy makes really important decisions either autonomously or uh, in the form of an OIP on the forum. But in either case, like uh, we really hold policy members to a high standard, and that's how it's been since the start. Yeah, since the start of the DAO, like we really, we really scrutinize the members. Which mm -hmm. is not to say that we don't welcome new members. Like we for sure welcome new members, but we expect like uh, new members to show an interest, to have shown already an interest in policy. That's uh, that's why we have the policy channel in the main Discord. So that, you know, so that participants can show their interest and participate in the governance process. And that's sort of a way that we vet new members. That's why we have a quiz. And basically, we hold uh, all the people not to gatekeep, but to like, to make sure that the Olympus community, you know, gets the best policy uh, members, because they make really important decisions. And like, I really think that the members and policy, the decisions made there affect the whole community. A hundred percent. So maybe for like a newer OMI, maybe kind of that, that they might not be aware, for example, um, maybe kind of run us through what uh, decisions can be made uh, internally that OMIs don't know that changes on a day, you know, on a week to week basis, for example, and then kind of give us a run through of like what would need to go uh, to an OIP for the entire community to vote on. Well, I can tell you right away what we can't change without a vote, and that's a reward rate. So that that's the thing I get asked most often. The reward rate won't change without a community vote. Uh, what we do change on a day to I mean, not really day to day, but pretty often, is BCV. BCV controls the capacity of the bonds, and it basically controls the emissions from bonding. If you increase BCV, you decrease the capacity. So it's an inverse relationship between the capacity and the BCV. And when you decrease BCV, you increase the capacity. So right now, uh, it's not important. Uh, right now, if we were taking in daily like 5 million 
in OMIS SLP, then if you increase capacity by 10%, we would be taking 5.5 million uh, of, S- of OMIS SLP. So that's some of the decisions like that we make pretty often, at least once a week, usually. Uh, the other thing is we will soon put up a vote. Uh, we usually, uh, we outline the policy framework in OIP 22, but uh, with the introduction of V2, we will have to have the autonomy to uh, start and shut down bonds because that's something we will be doing uh, pretty often. That's just how the underlying mechanics of the V2 bonds work. So like that, we will put up a proposal to ask the community for it. Right now, we've shut down bonds for LUSD and home LUSD. That's just temporarily. It will still be put uh, up for a vote to the community along with that proposal to give us a bit more autonomy on the bonds. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've shut down LUSD because we're pretty content with the amount of LUSD we have at this point. And uh, somebody asked recently in Discord, why didn't we do the same process as with Frax, where we just increase the BCV uh, to a very high number so that you essentially don't take in too much uh, of the asset? It's a very slow process. That's just the reason. Like, it's a very slow process to do that. And because BCV only increases when someone actually deposits into the bond or decreases. So you'd have to like wait for a lot of people to deposit for the BCV to actually tick up to a very high number that restricts capacity. Mm, that makes sense. And then maybe for the OMIs that like are like, well, what how, what are these random numbers for the, the the BCV? So how are these numbers derived? And like, um, you know, I, I think maybe some people would like potentially a little bit more clarity on like what the numbers actually mean are they actually calculations or and, and how do they scale to the ethereum block times for example i think some people might be curious onto how they function yeah so like uh, the bcv basically controls the price of the bond like the bcv is important and on the other hand the debt ratio is important bcv is a variable set by the policy team entirely so like if we don't touch it it doesn't change uh, and the debt ratio is used, like the debt ratio is used to control capacity without policy, you know, without policy actually interfering. When the debt ratio is very high, that means you have a lot of debt because debt ratio is debt over uh, total supply. And so when the debt ratio is very high, then the bond price is very high. And that means that, uh, that means that the bond won't be profitable to bond. So that will, that automatically restricts capacity as more people bond, as more people bond, the price becomes higher and restricts bonding. That's just so that we don't like emit a ton every day, you know, it's self-controlling in that aspect. And yeah, and the BCV is just basically set by us. And so when we increase the BCV, you increase like keeping the debt ratio constant, you increase the price and make it less profitable for people to bond. And that's how you restrict capacity with it. So uh, <laughs> a question that I get asked in the um, Discord server a lot is um, when when is the reward rate going to come down? Isn't it going to come down in January? Isn't Don't we go down <laughs> to like some very small APY in January? Is I don't think that's the case, um, or at least it it won't be the case without a vote, but um, when can you tell us like a little bit about why people might think that, and then if that's the case or not? Yeah, I, I came prepared. I have the reward rate uh, proposal. I knew that would be a question. I have that in another tab. So, like uh, the reward rate framework that we outlined is. It's just a framework. Even in the framework, it says the reward rate can be changed without a community vote. So some might ask, what's the point of the framework? The point of the framework is to align expectations with the community, that the community isn't surprised. if, like, Because that's been a reoccurring theme in the last two uh, reward rate reductions, is that we propose it, and then the community says they're blindsided, they didn't expect it, they expected the reward rate to be at this level for like a year or whatever. 
So we outlined the rewardery framework, which aligns the expectations. However, policy still like monitors the market, monitors the emissions, the parameters to see whether we need to propose uh, a reward rate reduction within the ranges in the framework, or maybe whether we need to change the framework as a whole. But in any case, both of those would be put up for a community vote. Maybe you can um, take us back to OIP 18. Um, did you great times? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually think it was it was like a very very difficult time for like everyone. Um, it was a hectic couple of days yes, after that. Extremely difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you get much sleep? <laughs> and can you tell us uh, tell us what it was like to be a part of it? Were you worried about the protocol, like not surviving because there was such a big backlash or? Uh, unfortunately, I posted the proposal a bit late in my time. So when I posted it, I instantly realized it was a mistake to post it at that time. Because right after I posted it, we had we had to have uh, a spontaneous community call because the community freaked out. Then we had the call and then I spent, I don't know, a few hours more in the chat just answering questions, like usually the same questions over and over again. And then I woke up and then the first thing I do is check Discord, a million tags. And then I start answering questions again. And like, I know I, I got DMs from other people saying that like, I should take a break, and like relax. But yeah, it, it was a stressful few days because like, I just wanted people to see like that, you know, because price also started to go down. And I just like wanted to explain to people that this is not like a bearish event, like reward rate reduction is not a bearish event. Like you're decreasing the amount of emissions, uh, the amount of overall emissions from staking. And so like uh, all else equal, it's a bullish event, right? Because less supply on the market, like, you know, all else the same mm -hmm. price will have to go up. Like I'm, that's not saying price will always go up on a reduction, but like even in that proposal, I posted a screenshot of the market cap uh, on the previous reward rate reduction. Like the market cap just went exponential. And I posted the same screenshot and said like, this is not financial advice. I am not saying this will happen again, but we don't have evidence that this is a bearish thing. Like if you look at historically, this is a good thing, a bullish thing. So like, don't trade it like that, but it, we don't have evidence that we shouldn't do it. And of course, after the reward rate, uh, reduction happened, the market cap again went parabolic. So like, it's, it's a weird position. Like, you know, when you're, when you're kind of sure you're right, like, like I can't 100% know whether price will go up or down, but I, I do know that like keeping APY at that level is unsustainable. And if the project is yeah. to succeed, we have to reduce the reward rate. And like, it's really, it's a really hard position to convince a large number of, you know, because policy is only a small number of people. The majority is the community. And like when you have to like spend time answering the, the same questions and trying to help them see it your way, like it, it, it's really difficult. But like I'm glad it all uh, came together as planned. Yeah, we didn't have as many sort of systems to engage with the community either. Yeah. Like we yeah. could have had. Twitter's like the Twitter spaces or like Agora TV or like a podcast to like discuss it and stuff. So I think we'll be yeah. better prepared next time. Um, has anyone approached you and said, I want my next bullish reward rate reduction. Where is it, Shadow? Yeah, has anybody actually asked for the reduction? That's funny. No, no, I haven't encountered those cases yet. Maybe. I, I, I hope people ask for it ne next time. I'm asking, I'm, I'm happy for it to happen um, because like really it's not like you're, re you're reducing the rate, but like it's, it's just a, that's a percentage, but you're actually slowing the rewards, right? So you, you're getting the rewards at a later date. It's, it's just, that, that's another way of thinking about it, I guess. Well, the thing is people in like, you, like you also have to like understand that like, it, it's something I, you know, I didn't understand on the first reward rate reduction. Like there are people in crypto, you know, who have n no background, like in finance whatsoever, who, who don't understand at all, like how, you know, how it usually functions in the financial system. 
And I, uh, what I've seen often is like, because we showed the API, uh, that implicitly means that uh, the, this API should last for a year, you know, because it is annual percentage. So like, that's some of the reasoning I've heard. Well, in reality, API is just a way to express the current yield you're earning. So like, there's a lot of stuff that like you have to keep in mind in crypto that, you know, that, that's usually not there in, in yeah. Jetfire somewhere. Yeah, I could, I definitely see that as, as being, uh, I wouldn't say an issue, but yeah, that's definitely something at play. Um, Shadow, maybe you can tell us about what you're most excited about for Olympus V2 um, and kind of how that might affect the policy team and what your responsibilities are and the rest of the contributors in that team. And if it will affect data and metrics, you'll probably have to be building up some more uh, playgrounds or dashboards, but <laughs> you can tell us. Uh, so for so there's a couple of uh, questions again. So for the community, I'm mostly excited about SOM bonds, SOM payouts for bonds. Like I think that's uh, really awesome to be able to, you know, bond and get a payout in SOM and not have to do anything, you know, not spend high amounts of gas just to claim your bond. And the other thing is obviously not having to claim, right? That's also annoying. Like having to, you know, connect your wallet every, I don't know how many hours or once a day or whatever, and claiming a bond and then you miss a rebase and then you have to claim in seven hours or something. So like as some payments are really good and I think the community should be really excited for it, uh, for the policy. Well, sorry, uh, Shadow, will the SM bonds uh, reduce the uh, dilution so it'll make the sort of treasury capture of the um, bonded asset more effective? Is that is that right? Uh, so for the SM bonds, you will... Uh, well, I'm not sure about decreasing dilution because you'll just take them right away. But uh, it will be cheaper for the treasury because you uh, because if uh, with SOM bonds a discount of zero means that it is exactly the same deal as if you staked. You know, so like any discount larger than zero is profitable. Whereas now I am not sure 100% that. Uh, most people know how to calculate when a bond is really profitable and consider the staking in the calculation. So like in that sense, I think it will be cheaper for the protocol because people will know once discount is higher than zero, then this bond is profitable and you should grab it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and what are you excited about V2 for the policy team? Does that, uh, mm -hmm. will it affect yeah. you at all? Uh, bond adjustments are much easier. Like right now we have this very long process where uh, BCV, like I said, like BCV only takes up or down when there is a new deposit and we have a limit on how much the BCV uh, can take up, 2.5 or 3% of the current BCV. And it's a very painful, like in slow process to execute, like you have to set a target and an increment and then it increments by the max amount. And then when, uh, this is very complicated to explain, and then when the... BCV actually gets higher, so not to your not to your target, but to a higher number. Then you can like change the increment again, but then you have to contact the multisig to do it again and stuff. So like it's a really slow process. Whereas the new contracts are much smoother for, for policy to manage BCV changes. So beforehand, you had to manually move the needle essentially to to get to the the, the target capacity for the BCVs. Whereas now. It, it kind of is a more uh, instantaneous process. Does it kind of like is it is it more kind of snap to the target where you want it to want it to go? For example, uh, you give it a time period. If I understood correctly, you give it a time period, and over that time period, it will self-adjust, so you don't have mm. to worry too much. Amazing, and um, that's to the obviously block block times as yeah, well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. And what yeah. does this mean for Olympus Pro? Is that the same? Sort of and improvements will for be now rolled Olympus out? Pro, uh, no, uh, for now Olympus Pro will stay on the older bond contract. And is there anything else exciting in the works that you can give us a little, a little info on, a little alpha leak for the Omis out there listening to the podcast? Uh, I just wanted to return on Olympus Pro quickly. So the the reason, like, why 
we're staying on V1 bonds for Olympus Pro is that partners usually don't have these very, very large changes that we have. And so it's not really a problem to adjust uh, for them, you know, because we, we set them initially pretty well. And then the capacity changes that we do for partners is usually around 10, 15%, which is not hard to do, you know, with this current process. Whereas, you know, with Olympus, we constantly do these very large adjustments for individual bonds. So it's like much more uh, complicated. Yeah, of course. And we also we also do like uh, staked asset payments. For, for example, Stake DAO uses their staked version of SDT for uh, uh, payouts. So in that sense, like there is no difference. We can do that right now for the partners as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Is there anything else exciting that's being worked on in the DAO that you uh, that you're bullish on, or anything you're you're working on personally that you can share with us? Uh, there's always a lot of stuff happening in the DAO. Uh, incubator, okay, yeah, that's public now, so that's not a problem to talk about. Incubator and Launchpad, like, I think it is, like, really important because, like, if we want to be the reserve currency in DeFi, I, uh, we would basically, through incubator and programs such as this, get into as many treasuries as possible and bring as many protocols into our ecosystem as possible. So like, I think that getting involved at an early stage is the easiest way to like build good and healthy, healthy partnerships in DeFi. Mm, yeah, 100%. And then also, I guess, coupled with Olympus Pro, you're kind of distributing out Ohm supply into the general crypto ecosystem as well, which is what you want as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. And obviously yeah. the next... Uh, often talked about topic is cross chain, which is mm -hmm. really like complicated with the with the underlying mechanics that we have. But a good step in the right direction is wrapped as some on other chains which we have right now. So like if people really want to get exposure at a lower price, they can get it right now, right? So like I'm also glad the community has that option if they want to go that route. Yeah, yeah, people I mean, love that on Avalanche. <laughs> yeah, and like I'm, I'm also excited about Arbitrum uh, specifically. Like I think bonds themselves, um, you know, will be will be kind of uh, a super interesting environment for bonds to kind of uh, flourish, or at least like I think it's a you know a low transaction fee environment is perfect uh, for the kind of bonding mechanism. I don't know if you feel similarly or I do, I do. I like bonds because. Uh, I mean, technically, you don't even, you know, you wouldn't need bonds on every chain. But uh, I like bonds because they have, like, they keep people engaged. Like, bonds are fun. They're, bonds are like an active strategy, you know, active management strategy, which yield a bit more, but require more of your time and attention. And those people who are willing to commit to it earn higher yields than just staking. So like that's what I like about bonds. Like it keeps people around and staring and engaged with Olympus. Aren't bonds just the actual market rate for what you're buying, right? Because it's a marketplace where you're um, coming and saying, oh, saying I'm prepared to wait seven days and expose myself to that risk. And then the other side of the market is saying, well, yeah, that, that we're prepared to give it to you at a discount because you're taking on that risk. So it's just creating a market and that's actually yeah, the true yeah. market price. Bonds are bonds are just like, well, both are true market prices. Bonds are just like a secondary market, which where you involve the cost of being liquid as well, you know, yeah. while the bond is vesting. Yeah. And we've had protocols ask uh, for much higher, you know, uh, much higher vesting periods and like for now uh, like uh, i would be down to experiment but i think that if you can support it like logically you would be uh, uh the, the the bonders would be demanding a lower price or rather a higher yield for being liquid for a longer time so if your current mm. liquidity can sustain it i would go with the lower vesting terms and earn the same liquidity per you know per dollar or per token so yeah yeah. yeah, it's very interesting, mm. isn't it? Because it'd be fun to run the experiment. <laughs> I I have a little thought experiment. Again, this is 
purely speculation from my end. What what if um, you know Olympus, uh, you know, in moving into V two is potentially uh, trials different uh, vesting uh, terms for the bonds, and then those bonds uh, are kind of uh, in in like a fixed in- income market, um, yet they're actually uh, liquid. For example, so like something I don't know if you're aware, but Fiat Dow. Uh, is is kind of has has come along and they're kind of offering this uh, you know liquid fixed uh, income setup um, that I think think uh, could could tie quite nicely into um, you know Olympus V two is wondering if if that you kind of potentially could see something where the there are longer term vesting bonds and whether those uh, longer term vesting bonds uh, could could potentially um, turn into kind of liquid assets as well. Uh, so for Olympus uh, longer term bonds. The num like there's a few things like the number one thing is SOM payouts that was very important for uh, longer term uh, bonds because without SOM payouts you kind of you know you kind of blur the actual cost like is it staking is it not staking is it a premium over state you know you blur it and I'm not sure people would understand really what yield they're earning on a longer term bond. Uh, the other thing is. Uh, you got you guys have read in the v2 article that bonds uh, may become tradable in the future like that's something for engineering to think through but yeah a bond like you could basically trade your current bond that's vesting on a secondary market uh liquid yeah that's very cool <laughs> Excited. Yeah, I think uh, I, I I think it'll open up so many interesting. Um, that's in the yeah. article, right? I didn't alpha leak yeah. something. Okay, <laughs> no, okay, no, no, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it's in the article. Yeah, that's why I brought it up because I was like, I think there's so many different yeah. avenues that you can explore with like having a secondary market for for bonds and then being them being longer longer vesting periods. It could also be interesting. Yeah, can you tell us a bit about working with Abiprop? Yes, yes. Uh, Abby, like those meetings that we uh, that I mentioned previously, those three hours, uh, three hour meetings, like uh, Abby is a very organized person, and he's usually the one taking notes uh, during those meetings. For people not aware, uh, Abby Pup is also Stratego and Policy, so we co-lead Policy together. We're the two Strategos for Policy, and so like he's a very organized person and keeps uh, everything uh, in line and ordered. And like I, I, I really value like the stuff he does. All around, he's like a pleasant guy. Very nice to work with. Yep, cool. That's all. That's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's always. Um, I mean, like we've you've been kind of working and been in and around uh, Olympus since since June, June or even like yeah, early early May, um, yeah, mid May potentially. Um, what has kind of surprised you? The I've most? been around since March. Oh, have you? Yeah. I didn't. I thought you. Yes, I yes. thought you got in just after that initial crash. Uh, I forget I, when that was. No, that was when staking launched. I, I I have been around since the first day of staking. There you go, a true OG. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the index. Well, I, I'm the guy. You know, <laughs> I, I'm the guy. If you staked one ohm, then you would now have this much. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering you're the index guy, what has kind of been the most uh valuable thing besides the fact that your index is now 30 um you know what, what has been the most valuable thing that you've kind of taken away from um you know being a part of the olympus community um getting involved in the dow you know would you have changed anything and, and kind of what has what has just surprised you about the whole experience thus far it, it it's a it's a really like it's a really cool experience like seeing seeing olympus grow to what it is today, like when I joined, it was like 20, 25 million market cap, something around that. And like when you work on it from that point to today, like that's, you know, that's incredible. That's an incredible feeling to to have, to have like been involved with something that's grown to a like a three point something, four billion market cap. Like, I don't know, like it, it's just like a very accelerated version of I guess traditional companies, you know, and you get to see all the working in the DAO. Like since the start, you get to see all the forms the DAO took. You know how we changed. Like first we wanted this organizational structure, then we changed it to this. Then we realized why this worked. 
you know, you get to see all those things you read about in the books, you know, like what, why this thing is better than this, like why this management uh, structure is better than this, why this style of leadership is better than this. And you get to experience it all in like a very fast, fast, fast way. And I think that sort of experience is like, you know, it's priceless. It's really priceless to get to experience it all on yourself through your work in the DAO. And there is no doubt in my mind that like, even if people like join the DAO or something, spend some time in it, contribute. And for some reason, they don't want to work in crypto or something. I have no doubt in my mind that like this experience is very valuable in traditional finance or the or any other job in real life. That's interesting. Then I'm going to have to send this to uh, a bunch of people that I know in the traditional space and and, and make sure they, they they get to the end of this podcast so they can hear that. It, basically, that's what I think. It's a very uh, accelerated view into the evolution of companies. You know, mm. you get to experience mm. the whole evolution of companies in, in a span of like a few months. Yeah, it's wild. It's like what would happen over like a you know, five year time horizon happens in five months, right? Because, you know, uh, I don't buy the opinion, you know, that like uh, DAOs like are changing everything, like com- the companies are very old, like companies have evolved to this stage where they are at today for years, you know, like the, the way companies are organized today is because they've evolved this way for years and because this is the most efficient structure or something. However, like today in companies, obviously we have individuals also who are tried, trying to, you know, retain power for themselves. So I think there's, uh, you can't just go and discard those years of evolution of companies and say, okay, we are the smartest, we know the best way. I think we, we should take like the mm-hmm. best things you can learn from companies and their organizational structure and move it to a more equal and uh, like basically move it to a more equal uh, DAO, which allows for social mobility. I think that's the most important mm-hmm. part. You have to also realize that not all people like want to be, you know, uh, quote unquote executives. We don't have executives in the DAO. It's like a flat structure. We have coordinators. But like not all people want to, you know, spend, you know, 12 hours in the DAO. But you ha- the idea is to let those people who want to spend 12 hours in the DAO, let them, you know, prosper. Mm-hmm. Let them play a more important role. Yeah. Mm, it's definitely really important to have those line roles, right? Is having the avenues for anyone and everyone to be like, well, I can contribute an hour a week and I can contribute an hour every day or 10 hours every day right so it's i think i do agree with you i think we can't disregard you know all the good things that that that, that companies do have there's, there's definitely so much to learn i think like you said take the good things uh, and very much use uh you know what's unique about um you know crypto and, and um, kind of smart contracts in the blockchain space in general and kind of potentially work to automate some things that that otherwise wouldn't need uh, maybe maybe someone in between so you can actually do more interesting things uh, rather than you know all having all this uh, additional management and HR if we can you know automate those things then it might be all, might be I think it's definitely efficiency right because Eric Voorhees when they came and did the AMA shapeshift for Olympus Pro he was saying that you know we can hire someone from France and we don't have to go and like <laughs> find out what all the French employment laws are and get a like uh, working permit for them to come and, you know, work over here or, um, you know, working rights in the US um, that you can just access talent wherever it is in the world. And it's kind of like, you know, being an Uber driver, you, you know, work whenever you want. And if you don't work, you don't work. And that's, that's fine. Um, Do you, do you see it the same way? Yeah. And think about that. Like, if you offer, uh, you don't have to offer the best. I think, uh, I think in terms of DAOs, like I haven't seen a DAO that offers like the stuff we do and, uh, and a DAO that is structured as we are. And so uh, I just think like from the perspective, like if we offer uh, these benefits, if we offer working in a, you know, three point something billion DAO, if it's fun, if everybody is cool, if everybody is polite to each other, if everybody works together, like why wouldn't we attract the best talent who is interested in working in a DAO? 
And this is, and unlike in, you know, unlike in traditional in the real world, you don't attract the best talent in your country. You would attract the best talent in the whole world. And yeah, so from that cool. perspective, like I, I, I really think that's awesome. And the DAO is constantly working to like make onboarding easier, to attract better talent. And there, there is always work to do. Like I really encourage anybody who like wants to make it in crypto, who wants to work in crypto, who, who wants whatever to just join the DAO, introduce themselves. And like, I'm sure there will, there will be something for you to do. Yeah, but word of warning, you might come in and think you're spending like a couple of hours a week and then like DKD and I um, <laughs> our work full-time hours producing like podcasts, working at the partnerships team, hanging out in the general Discord, answering questions. It just kind of, it just, it's like so fun and so much is happening and you get to deal with so much cool stuff that it's very difficult not to like get totally engrossed in the DAO. Yeah. I think. It's hard to well, be away. It's hard yeah, to be away. It is 100%. It is. Yeah. FOMO. <laughs> well, it's, it's the, the crazy thing is like, even though there are, you know, some, because we're growing at a ridiculous rate, uh, contributor wise, like there are some, you know, bottlenecks in maybe having more like open avenues for people to like jump into and do work here and there and easily access tasks, um, for example. But I think at the end of the day, there's just, like you said, Shadow, there's nothing that has been this like, you know, low um, barrier of entry to 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 start contributing right which is which is like wild because you realize you can do so many little different things and you can find your kind of like ideal uh setup in what you can do day to day yeah yeah like like it's really incredible like there there is no like there is no uh, interview no cv no nothing like uh, i think that's also a problem for some people uh, that uh, we've encountered that early. Like, I think that's also a problem in some people. Some people aren't proactive and like to be guided more. And in the DAO, you have to somehow be proactive and, you know, stick out because, because of the whole working environment in Discord, you know, and because of the fact that we don't like, you know, you, you don't have a job that you're assigned for when you join. There is no interview. Like, you have to be proactive. And like ask for things, ask you say, or or, or even better yet, to do things. Like that, that would be my main advice for people: just do things. Don't even ask for direction. Like you don't have to be a dev. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to have those skills. You can write up a research report on a partner why you think it would be a good treasury asset, or why, how do you think this would be a good partnership with with Olympus? Like you, you literally don't have to have anything. Like you can go to a partner Discord and see some way they can collaborate with uh, Olympus, come back to Olympus, explain that, contact the partner. You, you know, like there's a lot of things to do where y- y- you really can prosper. Yeah, I can't wait to see like uh, sort of the f- the um, financial sort of companies, the TradFi, like sending sort of people to do internships or like uh secondments to like go work in a DAO and <laughs> to like broaden their experience i think that's that'd be pretty, something pretty exciting they might never get them back <laughs> <laughs> well why would you go back yeah. yeah i would uh i would i would kind of agree with you there shadow i think i think we've touched on you know so much over this last hour that really kind of appreciate your time i think my last kind of question at least is like what's the biggest uh, misconception about shadow. What's what? What do people what people misunderstand about about you and what you do in around the DAO? Do you think? That I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know. I can maybe, tell you. <laughs> maybe that they seem blind us, to Mark. chat something or chat some uh, sometimes, but like it's just how I talk and type. Like I'm, you know. People think I would say that Shadow isn't like very supportive um, because I just think that you like see future problems and you want like people to be aware of them rather than sort of you're not very encouraging. But yeah, yeah, I'm a big skeptic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm a big skeptic and like I, I like to play devil's advocate often and so it can sometimes seem negative, uh, seem negative. But like, 
I, I just like to be prudent and make sure like we're covered from, uh, you know, from all aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's like text-based chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you can't gauge emotion uh, like half the time. And like, I don't know, I if, if, if yeah, just coming from my perspective, if I have someone... You know, who's the head of policy? I, I would, I want kind of direct <laughs> contact, right? I want someone who's super direct with their words. I don't want someone using floral uh, language, you know, trying to beat around the bush kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I you leave that I, to Agora. Yeah, we do that. We do that best. We talk crap all the time. That's that's our job. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say so, but okay. I think you're guy, you guys are doing an awesome job. I think that bluntness is what. Uh, is what essentially got me the Stratego role. Yeah, that bluntness and that like you know skepticism of ideas. Very important to have in the policy team. Um, well, I think I think we can leave that there. Um, unless you had anything extra you wanted to share or tell the community or people to thank that you've sort of think uh, should take the opportunity to do so. Not <laughs> not that you have to. <laughs> no, I'd like to thank you guys for having me on. I think this is the first podcast uh, I've ever been on. So, it's our yeah. pleasure. Yeah, it's been awesome. Like you guys are great hosts. No, thank you for again taking the time out and it's just it's awesome to 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 really profile the people that that like really have created the the premium at which Ohm trades at. So, again, it's it's a pleasure. And if you wait and see Omis what the Dow is cooking, you're going to it's going to blow your socks off. Just join the DAO. It's that easy. Yeah. Just join I the mean, DAO. The, yeah. Eli5, the TLDR, is just, just, just join the DAO. And also be blunt and, um, yeah, you might. But not might, too uh, blunt. Not too blunt. Because um, then Shadow will, will be blunt. Right then back. you'll become the Stratego. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll never leave yes. the DAO. And you'll be yeah, and 12 hours want. a day. <laughs> Um, All right, Omis. Um, that's that's Monday, the eighth. Oh, now you do it, Mark. I think you I got the date wrong. remember the time you told everyone it was Wednesday and it was Friday. Oh, people found that people found that funny. <laughs> so for, con- for for context, Shadow, we did we did, did our last podcast, and I said it was like a Wednesday when it was a Friday, and I like I switched the dates up like three times and found it really funny. When I listened to it, when I was editing it, it was funny. Um, I'm you go sure for most people in crypto don't know what date it is. So uh, no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's, all it's right, all Mark. one day now. Thanks, Hermes. We'll catch you for News of the Week next week. And we'll have Spaces on Thursday. And we hope to do a special one uh, this Tuesday with Nugent and Wallamai Pine, perhaps DKD, uh, for our Asia listeners. And we're still finalizing the, can- the um, hosts for the European based one but we're going to get that up uh, that space is up and running soon so we can cover omis all across the world um we'll catch you next week see you guys see you guys thanks for listening